Welcome back, everybody, to the Ballers Edition podcast. This is episode four. Baller, how you doing, my man? Brother, I'm amazing, man. Excited to be back. There's so much to talk about, man. I, we have to get to this ASAP, brother. Tell me you've seen DeMar DeRozan and what he's been up to. I have. And let me tell you, man, that guy's in his bag right now, man. That guy's enjoying his life. That guy's taking some heat check shots. He's doing some wild stuff right now in the league, and uh, he's living his best life. Like that's all, that's all I can say. Right, and it's funny because the last episode we did, I was like, "Yo, did you see DeRozan's horse trick shot to win the game?" And I thought that's what we would pick up on, but then he just topped it with another one. And you know what? I'll say too because. There's been a lot of people talking about this, but I got to give him his kudos, especially on that second shot, because he really did maintain his composure. And I do believe it has something to do with all of the things he had been through, all the battles that they had lost against LeBron, all the heartbreaks that he had been through. I think he might be crossing over. You know, it's crazy, actually, because me and you, we talk about this a lot privately, and this is our opportunity to share it with people. But just how much we think about LeBron and what him leaving Cleveland and going to Miami had done for his growth. Yeah. And honestly, I kind of feel like with DeRozan, he was going through that type of maturation as well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Like, you know, like, you know, you, you wished like, Bron, you should have just, you should have failed until you succeeded. You know what I mean? You should have just kept taking those shots, whether you made them, whether you missed them. But there's something in that process of going through it on your own yeah. that I think the Rosen is starting to benefit from at this moment now. Yeah. Yeah. Like DeMar, I'll say this about DeMar and, and I'm going to, I'm going to eat some humble pie here, mm. but being that we're from Toronto, Right. Anybody who knows me, I, I was one of the biggest DeMar DeRozan haters. Couldn't stand the guy. Never liked him, you know. And I just and I think at, at that time, I think I listened to a lot of the TV talking heads and they had the same criticisms about him. He doesn't shoot threes and blah, 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 blah. Right. And I didn't I didn't know if his heart was really there. You know, I, I didn't know if his heart was really there to really fight you know against the lebron james you know was it Mm -hmm. something that he was just was he scared of the guy or was he gonna push forward and fight and 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 really stick it to him and i I just didn't i just didn't know and so when they traded him when they traded him for Kawhi, let me tell you something i became a raptors fan on the strength that they traded demar Derozan. Mm. That's how that's how much I I was not a Demar Derozan fan, and watching him in San Antonio, and seeing San Antonio on the decline, I was like, you know what? This is what I thought. The reason why San Antonio is declining is because of Demar Derozan, and I was almost saying and feeling like, you know what? I was right in that scenario, watching him. And then when the whole Chicago signing took place, there's something about the way the team was constructed that I just knew that it would work. I didn't know why, 
but I knew this one would work. And there was something about the amount of shooters they had, the long wingspans, the defensive. There was just something there that was like it all sort of fits, and now it works in his favor. And Levine mm-hmm. can play on the like you know what I mean. He works perfectly yeah. on the opposite side of the floor from from Levine. You know what I mean. Lonzo's not yeah. coming in the keys. A spot up shooter. You know what I mean. And he's gonna distribute the ball. But the one thing yeah. you could never deny from Demar Derozan was his mid range game was phenomenal. So what's more surprising about these last two three point buzzer beaters? Is that they were three point buzzer beaters? Yeah, you know what I mean. It wasn't a mid range yeah. pull up; it was three pointers. And and this yeah. is, I think this is leaving the basketball world completely like, what the fuck <laughs> is going on right now? <laughs> you know, but I'll say this too because I I was listening to a reporter talking to him, and they were like, you know, you're the only person in NBA history to hit two back-to-back game winners on the road, you know? Yeah. And I can honestly say I've never seen anything like this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can honestly say that I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Mm -hmm. Do I think this is normal? Mm -mm. No. Do I, do I think the first one was a good shot? Absolutely not. (laughs) I think (laughs) my face looked like Zach Levine's face looked like, is this guy for real right now? But it went in and so be it. And it's funny because I do, you know, coaching and, and training. And I remember one time I was, I was in a practice with uh, a young group of kids that I was working with and we're trying to help them to get prepared to play. And, you know, you break them up, whites versus darks, whatever. Yeah. And eventually the one team started to score. Guys started hitting shots that they had no business making. And I stopped them at that moment and said, now this is a teachable moment because now you guys are going to understand what momentum is and how things work in real life where if you let things happen where it gets on a roll, after a while you can't do anything to stop it no matter what you do. And guys start making shots that they would never make. And I think in this case, DeRozan is benefiting from that. He's benefiting from confidence. He's benefiting from the fact that he has a great group of guys around him. There's not so much pressure on him, really. You know, he's just free. And you're seeing what freedom and what good vibes can do for a team and for an individual like him who, man, I mean, whoever really thought that this was going to play out the way it did? Like, you know what I mean? What, what talking pundit was speaking and said, Hey, this is going to be the greatest team on the floor right now. DeMar DeRozan, Lonzo Ball, you know, like really who thought they were questioning these pickups. I I, I know. I got a clip. Give me a second. Let's, let's, Mm -hmm. let's run this. Have the Chicago Bulls done enough to make themselves a threat to the Bucks or Nets? <laughs> heavens no! Oh, heavens no! Please tell me this is a trick question. Please tell me this is a trick question. Hey, J Mac, you had to come up with this question. I did not. You sang the praises of the Bulls yesterday. I will. I mean, a threat to the Nets or the Bucks? Come on, no! A thousand times no. Is he correct? Because he, these but, are these are experts, right? So like you're kind of thinking about it, like 
you know, like he, he said it. In, he said it with such confidence, such mm-hmm. confidence. And now you're looking at it and you're saying, you're you're thirty something plus games into the season. The Bulls are number one in the East right now. And yeah. right now, they just look like a team that's going to give anybody a bunch of problems. Can they win a yeah. championship? Who knows? Like you could tell, like in a play in playoff series and 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 just being in the playoffs together. I I don't think Lonzo's ball has been ever been in the playoffs. Demar hasn't been there in a little while, and uh, Zach Levine hasn't been to the playoffs. So you think okay. They haven't been to the playoffs. They're, they're still sort of a young team. So they, they'll have some issues, obviously, just being in that atmosphere. But come on. <laughs> this team is for real. Like, this team is absolutely for real. Yeah, man. And they're exciting. And, you know, they've been through a lot, too. Like, they had tons of guys on protocol. They had to postpone games. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. they didn't have enough guys. So it's not like they haven't dealt with adversity yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, guys had to step up. They've had to bring guys in to make the the slack up, really. You know what I mean? Like, shout out to Kobe White. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, they don't have that opportunity for DeRozan to make that shot against Indiana without Kobe White. No. They're you t- know? Yeah. They're just a team, man. They're, they're, mm-hmm. they're, this, they're an interesting team. Where I could kind of see everyone playing for each other, and everyone playing for the success of each other, and I think, and I, I think you can't, you can't put a price on that when it comes to a team. It's an actual team, and the coach is running an actual system, and the guys are following instructions, and they're playing within themselves, and they're playing for each other, and they're playing defense, and they're running the floor, they're doing everything that they're supposed to do, and you're looking at it like. This is this is maybe how this is for me. This is the blueprint for small market teams. Agreed. Screw screw the big free agent signings. Screw it. You know what I mean. This is the blueprint, and I and I think it's not quite there, but it's maybe somewhat like Golden State is sort of. Yeah. There's 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 so many things that went right there that Golden State almost screwed themselves. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? If Ste- mm-hmm. if Steph didn't take that that twelve million dollars, you know what I mean? Because he could have looked at that like it was disrespect and <laughs> walked out of Golden State. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's so many things that went right over there in Golden State. There's so many things, but when you look at the way this team is constructed, from the top to bottom, coaching st- phenomenal job by the Bulls and Demar, man, like. He's he's starting to look like an MVP candidate right now. I'm not saying he's gonna get it, but he's in the, he's definitely in the conversation. He's definitely in the conversation. To me, it's funny that you say that because I still don't think he's the best player on his team. No, you know, like Levine is having an amazing season here, and I love the fact that DeRozan's having the success because I think it pushes Levine still. But it also just raises the bar for what they can do as a as a group, you know, because you have one guy who is surprising people with how good he actually is, and another guy who's surprising people, showing them that he can deliver under pressure, which was one of the knocks and one of the questions that people would have had, which was 
does he show up when it matters the most? Mm-hmm. So I hope that this helps him to turn a corner in that because again, these are very rare and, you know, fortuitous shots that have, that have gone in, you know, you run those plays back again, each one. I don't know if he makes those eight out of 10 times, you know what I mean? So the fact that he's gotten this good fortune, I hope is great for the team overall. I hope he's able to put it in perspective enough to stay as hungry and as humble as he needs to, to continue this journey that they're on and not start losing sight of the fact that, you know, you're a part of the group and that it's just the sun is shining on you right now, you know, and, and, I'm really happy for him because I was skeptical of him too. I, I always knew he was talented. I always saw it. I was concerned that he was too interested in trying to emulate Kobe. You know, it felt like he was chasing difficult shots instead of trying to make the easy ones, which is why I think he's having such a great season now because he's matured to a point where he's taking the best or the right shot. You know, he's getting to specific spots on the floor and he's making it look easy now instead of it being, you know, fadeaways, double pump fadeaways into the corner. And it's just, to me, it was unnecessary. So I think he's maturing. I think he's tired of the narrative that people have been painting of him and he he has something to prove. And I think him knowing himself, him having those moments, it was funny because Uh, they were talking about the Lakers and him going to the Lakers. Mm -hmm. And the response that the Lakers had was they had already committed to, you know, what they had done with Westbrook. And the only thing they could have offered him was the mid-level exception. Yeah, like, you know, he's a throw-in. Yeah, basically. And it's no disrespect to you, but this is all we can afford. And had he taken that, I think he would, uh, his career would have been on its way out the door because what's going on with LA, I don't think he fixes that. I think it actually rubs off on him even more. And now we're not looking at him as somebody that we are so impressed by, but more of he's part of this issue that LeBron's dealing with. You know what I mean? (laughs) So he dodged the bullet with that one. You know, what's funny and so, because I, I obviously I knew eventually we were going to talk about the Rose, and, but mm-hmm. one of the things that I went back because I'm starting to think like, where did the league get it in its head? You know, what I mean, like Demar was this horrible basketball player because that's not true either. You know, what I mean, no. even in San Antonio, even in Toronto, it's not like Demar Derozan wasn't a guy that could help any basketball team. So I'm mm-hmm. like, what was the what's 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 really going on here? So you know how every year the league compiles a top 100 list of yeah. top 100 players in the league. So I went back and looked at it for the 2020, the 2021-22 season, the one that he just made. And I was like, let's see where they ranked <laughs> everyone. You know what I mean? To see who they think is, you know, the best in the league to the worst in the league or or, or just in the end of that top 100, right? And mm-hmm. so you look at the top five, KD's number one, Giannis is number two, LeBron's number three, Steph's number four, AD is number five. Mm. Right? And you're saying, maybe, you kind of get to that. And then you're saying, okay, Jokic is number six, James Harden number seven, Luka is number eight, Dame Lillard's mm-hmm. number nine, and Joel Embiid is number ten. 
I think if you made this list right now for what's going on, I think you could slide DeMar somewhere in this top 10. Right now, DeMar, to me, I could probably take him over Luca right now. Mm. You know what I mean? Hell, Dame's not having such a great season either. I could, I could bump him out of that spot. But you know, you know where they have DeMar on this list? Take a wild guess. Out of 100, I would say 50. 55. Wow. 55. And the people that are ahead of him, just to name a few, Marcus Smart's ahead of him. LaMelo <laughs> Ball, John Collins, Christoph Porzingis, Fred Van Fleet, Clint Capella, Clay Thompson, Tobias Harris, Michael Porter Jr., Ben Simmons, Jamal Murray, Westbrook, Lowry, and Siakam. All ahead of him. Right. And you're like, even with last season, I, I'm not taking Przingis over him. Like, Definitely not taking Michael Porter Jr. over him or Clint Capella over him or John Collins over him. Or Marcus this Smart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's wild, man. But yeah, like, yeah. DeMar, the, the, the he's... He's done every everything to break everybody's analytics, and it's all broken. And what he's doing this year, what the Bulls are doing this year, is is turning the basketball world upside down right now. And I, and I think it's it's confusing to a lot of people because, like you said, it's not like they haven't dealt with adversity. They have, and no. there's nothing there, there's nothing that's happening to them this season that's not happening to everybody else. But every single time they get on the floor. They're just playing in this way, and, and this guy is showing up every single night. And, yeah, man. And, and, and right now, he's due a little bit of recognition, just a little. Yeah, man, and, and shout out to the work that he put in in the summertime. You know, I also think if you look at the Bulls, they have a team full of underdogs. They have a team full of guys that have something to prove, all of them. You know what I mean? Lonzo Ball definitely had something to prove. People wasn't sure what him going to the Bulls meant, really. You know, Levine wanted to prove that he could carry a franchise, that he was that type of guy, that he wasn't going to be a journeyman and just a slam dunk champion. You know, obviously DeRozan wanted to show that he was more mature, that he could finish games, that he could lead a team. But then again, you have the Derek Jones Juniors, you have Kobe White, you have, you know, these guys who are trying to make a name for themselves, right. trying to show that they belong in the NBA, you know. So I think the beauty of their situation is that you got a bunch of guys that just want to hoop. Yeah, they, they got a guy on their team. Reminds me of a young Jimmy Butler. I'm trying to remember mm. his name. Let me see if I can pull it. He just... He, he just he just gives me that vibe. Every time I see him, I'm like that. That guy, that guy's a young. He's a, he's a Jimmy. young Jimmy Butler man. Is it and, green? Huh? Is it green? Uh, he plays. He he is the small forward. I'm trying to think. I'm trying to. Yeah, think. I'm forgetting board. his first name, but Green I think might be his last name. Who you're talking about? Um, and then they have I think Dio Sumo. Mm-hmm. He's nice too. I like him. I like the effort he brings. He can hit the open shot. I just love the way that their team is constructed. I love the fact that everybody knows their role, man, and yeah. that they just continue to fight. Especially yeah, that last, yeah. 
It's Green, right? Yeah. Uh, what's his first name? Javante. Javante Green. Absolutely. You know, that Wizards game was really impressive for me because they were really struggling, you know, and you could see it. Like, the Wizards were supposed to win that game. They really, really were playing well, and the Bulls just kept fighting, but they just couldn't get over the hump. And it's funny because I remember watching the game, and I'm like, okay, Levine. Because, again, in my mind, Levine is the guy on their team, and that's what's blowing my mind as this is transpiring is that I still believe that. And I think if you watch them, you would say Levine has – the more talent, but right now I think it's just playing itself out. And I think Levine may end up being in a situation where he's hitting a couple game winners as this season continues on too. But I was thinking like, all right, Levine, this is where you show what you're made of and that you're the guy to carry this team to that next level. And, you know, he kind of started to deliver. They both did. And then the shot happened, but I'm always watching for when players prove their worth, you know what I mean? And, and show up when it's needed. And I think I'm just excited to see where this goes from here. I'm really, really happy for DeRozan. I think I can only imagine how this feels for him, knowing that people have counted him out or doubted him the way that they have. So there's no better story right now in the NBA than this. Only one eight in a row, so. Yeah. You know, like, shout out to them, man. But, yeah, we're going to be keeping our, our our eyes on them, definitely, for the rest of the season. But what else did you want to get into, man? You know who I'm keeping my eye on since we talked about them, and I'm really liking what I see is Cleveland, man. Yeah? I, I think they have something there. I think they're going to be good. Like, the thing that really stood out to me I was watching them play against the Grizzlies the other day. And, you know, John Morant, boy, that guy, mm. he's hes making me a believer beyond what I thought of him already. Yeah. I always knew he had gifts and talents. I always knew he reminded me of Derrick Rose, really. You know what I mean? He, he just was so dynamic that I was like, I love watching this guy. I'm a little concerned he might be a little too reckless at times with how willing he is to leave the ground and try and dunk on anyone. But he's really, he's really having a stretch right now. So we'll definitely got to cover him a little bit more, but I was watching a Garland and him matched up and I'm like, yo, I'm going to make the statement and say that Garland is a real player. I think he's going to be a star in the NBA. I think, Cleveland's found their point guard. I really do. I think Darius Garland is going to be a star in the NBA. I think he has it. He reminds me of a better shooting Jeff Teague, where he's so quick. Like, he's so difficult to deal with off of screens. His first step is just so quick. Him and Ja are going back and forth. And I'm like, this kid could basically do the same things that Ja can do. He can't leave the ground and stay in the air as long as Ja, but Ja's having a hard time staying in front of this kid. You know what I mean? Like, he really is. And 
this little guy, he just has poise. He has confidence. He can shoot it. He can get into the paint. He, you know, he has Mobley on one side. He has Jared Allen on the other side. And then Kevin Love is balling like he's 10 years younger than he is. And I'm watching this thing and I'm like, these guys have something really interesting brewing in Cleveland right now. I don't think Colin Sexton gets his job back. No, I think he's, I think Sexton's done over there. I think they're just, the fact that he's injured right now, but I think, I think possibly trade deadline. I think he's out. I think he's Mm. out. Yeah. Yeah. He's out. Yeah. I'm hearing rumors of him going to Indiana, but they're building a nice little squad over there too. And in Indiana, now over in um Cleveland, mm. yeah, Mo- like Mobley is looking like a problem right now, you know. Yeah, it's funny because we made the rookie of the year predictions. I'm like, shit, this 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 kid right here, like <laughs> this kid right here, might be the rookie of the year, you know. If he keeps if he keeps this up and in and, and Cleveland continues to win, makes the playoffs, you know. Maybe. Yeah, maybe he's, he's definitely looking like that. That team, that team is. That's still the biggest shock for me. One, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I couldn't, I could have never picked that to be perfectly honest with you. What they're doing, but you know, I haven't paid that much attention to them. I haven't paid that much attention to Garland. I think I got to do it. I think I got to yeah. really, really take him in. No, you need to. This, this guy. My only hope is that he has a forty-point game soon to show himself. Mm. because I'm like, bro, I don't think you realize what you have and how much other teams are struggling dealing with you. You know what I mean? Like, if you ask other locker rooms, if you ask Curry about that kid, he would say, yo, the little guy was going crazy on us. We didn't even know how to stop the guy. I didn't even know who he was. You know, like, really, like, this guy is serious, man. He has it. He has it. He has the confidence. He has all of it. And the and Cleveland as a whole, I love the the thing I love about Cleveland is that they're showing that you don't have to have the exact same team as every other team in order to be successful. Right. You know, they're they're two big guys. I to be honest, Mobley is special because I think he could be a small forward. Like he has the mobility, he has yeah. the he has the dexterity. I yeah. think it's just a, a summer of working on his handle a little bit more and just getting comfortable being more dominant with the ball in his hand. But I mean, he he could shoot fades either direction. He's really comfortable around the rim. He's strong. He's aggressive. He's long. I mean, they they picked right. Mm-hmm. They they really they really picked right. So I'm I'm impressed, man. I'm I'm excited, man. Like. The NBA is giving me something to watch. Yeah, they are. They are. Have you heard this John Morant thing? I, I thought the second you mentioned them, I thought this is the, the one of the most interesting things I've heard. So your dad was your first hater. Is he yeah. still? Is he still a hater of you? A hundred percent. When I run Rookie of the Year, his message after was, uh, "Good job. You still suck." <laughs> <laughs> you hear that? Have you heard that before? Yeah. Huh? Uh, no, no, not that. Not that. I just thought that. Was, I just thought that was interesting because I'm like this guy. This guy. It, it's it's just a testament to Jaws. You know what I mean? Where he, where he's at? You know, personally, mm-hmm. 
but yeah like just to hear like you know your your dad is still your biggest critic and Absolutely. even over and and he kind of needed that because he had to overcome so much to get to this point you know what i mean his dad's still like you still haven't done enough you know yeah but you'll be yeah. heaping praises and everything like that you know especially mums you know what i mean the, the good thing is the fact that he has his dad there and his dad's still being his dad's still being tough like i don't care get back in the gym continue to work you know that's a fact and i think ja just like anybody that we're talking about there's something about having a chip there's something about doing the unexpected that it's so empowering you know what i mean it it almost makes you invincible like you just you're not afraid of anything you know what i mean like i i worry for the guys that have these expectations so early yeah. you know what i mean like they get in their own heads they're thinking so much you know what i mean you're so afraid of letting people down yeah and and i think guys like ja they're just so free like you just you watch this guy again it's like curry like you just it feels like the game is more fun when you're around these guys you know what I mean? Like yeah. I'm watching Jaw run through the Barclays Center, and he's more exciting. Like the crowd's more excited by him than by their own man. <laughs> you know, like I'm watching this guy, Jaw, and that's why I was saying he's 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 convincing me of his greatness in a way that's changing my perspective on what his future could be. Mm. You know, you you feel me? Like I thought, I thought he's talented, he's gifted, but I didn't think he would reach the top of the mountain. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I figured he would just be like Westbrook almost. You know, a guy that's great, fun to watch, good for stats, but it's not going to be one of the top in the NBA or have a run where he has you know, maybe championships or MVPs or all those types of things. You know what I mean? I wasn't sure, I, I, but I'm watching him and I'm like, he has what Michael Jordan had. And that's very rare. I don't, I haven't seen too many players that have what Michael Jordan has and what he has that Michael Jordan had is a next level of creativity. Mm. Like I've seen this guy do things that I'm like, he's making it up on the spot. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's only a few players I've ever seen that they're making it up as they go. Yeah. This guy is doing that. You have to watch him. You don't know what he's going to do next. And he's not afraid of the moment. Nah, nah. And it's funny. Cause <laughs> he's trying he tries everybody mm. he, he's tried you know what i mean anthony davis dwight howard a couple times you'll try Le like he's like i don't i don't care i don't care yeah you know i want it yeah he wanted, to, he wanted to go to war with steph curry last year over the iguodala stuff um mm. yeah like he still hates iguodala <laughs> so that'd be interesting um but yeah, like this this little guy, he's about him and in his like he doesn't care, you know. Yeah, he, he's one of those old school souls. I I don't see him leaving Memphis if he has anything to do with it. I don't see him running for stardom or fame or anything like that. I think he's happy where he is. I think it's just the type of person he is. 
and just coming from the environments that he talked about, like, like he he's he's the anti Kentucky player. That's he's the type of guy that I would draft. You know what I mean to to lead my franchise because he's proven over his young career he's had to know how to lead and 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 inspire men. You know what I mean? Inspire young men at that time. You know what I mean? And yeah, you that's that that's an impressive trait to have. You know it is. And it is. Yeah, when you take when you're taking a Murray State team and making them nationally recognized, you know, that's something impressive. Yeah, I've never from, heard of Murray State before that. Exactly. You know what I mean? So to do what he did and to get on that stage and you know, okay, these are my guys. We're in Memphis. Yeah, I'm I'm riding with my guys. You know what I mean? I I, I can't see him ever saying we don't have enough or we need more. <laughs> You know what I mean? I don't. Yeah. See, I don't see those words ever coming out of his mouth. I, I think he's gonna deal with what he has, and I think for the old school basketball spirit inside of me, he's what I love about the game. You know, yeah. and I want to see yeah. more of that, and, and and that's why when I look at the way AAU is currently constructed, I'd like to break up the way it's constructed right now. Definitely, you know. Well, I think it. I think it requires. Parenting, I think it requires fathers and people who understand what we're talking about to kind of step in and help make this a little bit different where you're making the young man have to walk and find his path instead of just making it seem like it's just so easy and it's a foregone conclusion. You know, because that whole mentality of it's already going to come it usually never pans out. You know, the only person that it looks like it's starting to pan out for, and I know it's because he had to go through some dark moments in order for the real version of himself to start to come out, is Andrew Wiggins. Mm -hmm. You know, they're talking about him being an all-star right now, and he's playing like one. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because he kind of was in a moment where nobody was feeling the way that things were going in his career. You know what I mean? You have guys publicly challenging his heart and his commitment to the game. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I think that challenge was something that, you know, he had to embrace and really take it to heart. And also being fortunate enough to be around greatness at the same time, you know, it, it's definitely been helpful but he still had to go and do the work. He still had to maintain his skill set. And I think he's he's rare. Obviously, he's great skill set. He's tall. He can shoot. He's athletic. So he has a lot to work with. But you still you never know if, a man, if somebody's going to respond. But I think I still would go towards the John Morant of the world because I think he's just – I just see his eyes light up. Yeah. When the moment arrived, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like he had a bucket against Phoenix, man. And I was like, this, that's when I was like, this, this guy is the guy because he looks like, just like they said about Jordan, you know, and they said the ideal season for Michael Jordan would be every game going down to the last shot. Yeah. I feel like that with John Morant. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, if you ask him, he would prefer every game to be tense into the wire. Mm. It's like he wakes up 
for those moments. And and I'm just, it's something about the guy that I'm like, he doesn't seem like he believes he can't win. Like there's nobody he's on the floor with that he doesn't think his team's going to end up winning the game. Right. And if it's close, you know what? They got a good chance. Mm. And he, and to be honest, what I'm really excited about is that he has a running mate in Desmond Baines, who for I don't know who this guy is. I don't no know idea. what school he I, went to. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta look him up because I, I yeah. I'm, I'm the same way too. Like I keep seeing the name pop up, and you know, for me, I, I thought it was like. You know, you, you give a. I thought he was like a ten day contract that they 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 had come in. So he's like, oh, you know, guy comes in on a ten day, maybe scores like a twenty two points or something. And then you keep seeing yeah. over and over again. You're like, who the hell is this guy? Yeah, I don't know who this guy is. I'm like, I thought he was just filling in for Dylan Brooks. I thought Brooks might have got injured, and it just was like, okay, just go in, you know, hold it down. He looks like a tight end. Like oh, yeah, him yeah. physically, like I'm like, holy smokes, this guy doesn't even really look like a basketball player at first. But I'm watching him and I'm like, he's not only a basketball player, he's about to be a real problem in the NBA, bro. Yeah. Like I'm watching this guy and I'm like, first of all, I seen him push the ball one time and I'm like, this guy is moving at a speed that I'm like, what is this 40? Because he was pushing the ball so quick. And obviously he shoots the ball. He shoots the three with no fear. He's physically so strong that I'm like, Memphis has a serious opportunity here between him and Morant in the backcourt. Like Baines ain't scared of nobody. Like you're not bullying him. Mm Mm-mm. You're not bullying this guy. And he is nice. Like, I mean, I seen him make a finish one time. I was like, I, I'm ne- like, it looked like Kyrie Irving did it. It's funny. I'm just looking him up right now. And these are the things I find interesting, right? But he's a, he's a four year, he went, he went to college, he went to Texas Christian for four years, right? Mm-hmm. But he's from, he's from Indiana. So okay. here's the things that I look at. So he played in Indiana. He was Mr. Basketball in Indiana. Um, he, he, he's Mr. Basketball in Indiana. In his final season, he averaged 35, 30, 11, 6, and 3.2 blocks. And, wow. And I'm, 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 I'm looking at this, and it was like he did not receive a Division I offer until his senior season when Furman Offered him at the end of November. You see what I'm saying? He was not rated by ma- any major recruiting service, and I-, I look at this and I'm like, "What? This is this something doesn't make sense to me. How could you be Mister Basketball in Indiana?" And everyone's like, "Nah." And I think, and I think it has to do with what you just said about the way he his stature is. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. he looks like he should be playing football. Like he just yeah. looks like that. But everything that this is telling me in his early life, the the guy could the guy could play ball. The guy could hoop. And then yeah. it looks to me here he went to college and the guy hooped in college. You know what I mean? And he yeah. did it for 4 years cuz 
you know, Lord knows he probably had to because, again, he's just not on the radar. And then he's the 30th pick in the first round in 2020 draft, drafted by Boston. So I'm looking at it and I'm saying, I'm sure Boston wish they kept him. (laughs) 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 You know, but it was like, there's some smart people over there that probably saw and said, yeah, yeah, pick this guy up, you know. But it, it's it's crazy to me that you know like there's 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 a lot of people like this. There's a lot yeah. of people like this, you know, that that go unnoticed in the game of basketball. That you're like, yeah. how did this guy not get a? This guy doesn't have an offer. Nobody wants this guy, and it's like, where, where are all these smart people? Where are all these smart scouts that that yeah. that are that are in these basketball programs? That have these scholarships to just throw out. Who are they giving them to? And how do you miss a guy like him? You know what I mean? It's it's mind blowing. Yeah, and he has the potential to be a great defender. Also, like I'm watching him play, and I'm like, this guy's a gamer. And again, you have Morant, who's a gamer, and now you have another guy beside him who's also a gamer. Yeah, that's a pro- that's a problem. Yeah, for other teams. You know what I mean? Like that's. That's the recipe for a team like Memphis turning into the three seed, the two seed, and really being difficult to get rid of in the playoffs because you have guys that they wake up for the moment. Yeah, yeah. You you don't want to like they're they're annoying enough to not go away. They're annoying yeah. enough not to respect your stature and. If you're a top team, you don't want to be dealing with these guys in a first round series. You just you don't you don't want to be playing around with a, a Memphis. You know, I, w- I would hate to get that draw because you know you can't take a night off. You know what I mean? Some people would look at it like you know you, you want the opportunity where the first round you kind of want to breeze through it because you know how late you know how hard the later rounds are going to be. But these guys are going to put you through your paces, man. <laughs> They're not going to let you sleep. They're not going to let you get an inch. And they don't care, you know. They yeah. really, really don't care. And and for them, it's they've had to fight for their name their whole lives. You think of his story and John Moran's story, and he's a little bit older than John Moran. But it's like these guys were they did everything right, and the basketball community still rejected them. You know what I mean? And they had to yeah. continue to keep fighting. Now they're here; they're not taking their foot off the gas. Absolutely not. And you're going to have to get rid of them. This is a fire that you're going to have to put out or it's going to grow and it's going to be something that you can't when it's time. And I'm just, I'm looking up the the standings right now. Internet's slow as hell. I don't know what the heck is going on with it. (laughs) But I just know that my guess is that the Grizzlies, at some point, they're going to probably end up with home court advantage. I think the way that the fourth seed right now. So I think they end up with home court advantage and I think they end up fighting with somebody in the Western conference finals. Like I think they might be the team that shocks everybody and ends up playing against the Warriors or Phoenix in the Western conference finals. I think the only thing I don't know Cause I know. Here's the thing: if they stay in that fourth spot, right, and the way the brackets work out, so they stay in the fourth spot right now. 
um, Dallas is in the fifth. So they would play Dallas in the first round, hypothetically, right? I think I think the Nuggets make a move and Nuggets probably end up there, something like that. Um, or even the Clippers or something like that. But they'll still get that home court advantage. That's what it's starting to look like. And when they get to the second round, though, the second round opponent is Golden State. Yeah. You know? That that it's it, it, not it, an easy one. No, it's not. You know what I mean? And and this this kid is gonna. I I know it, but he's gonna go at Steph. Of course. And he really hates Iguodala. <laughs> he <laughs> really does not like Iguodala. And that, like with that history and everything, I I know. For what's him, the he- what is sorry for interrupting you, but what is the history? What is the storyline? Because I can't say that I know it that well. So, so what is? So when when Golden State lost um, the finals to the Raptors, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Iguodala made his comments about KD. So they traded him, right? So the team they traded Iguodala to was Memphis, right? So mm-hmm. Iguodala looked at Memphis like, Yo, I'm not playing with these guys. That's when Ja first got there. Like, I'm not playing with these kids. Like, I'm not I'm not coming on the court, right? So for about 30 games into the season, Iguodala won't show up to practices. He's just not he's not interested. He doesn't care about these kids. And he starts making yeah. that known. So John Morant tweets out publicly, like, bro, ain't nobody care about you. You know? Ain't nobody ain't, ain't nobody even want you over here. You know what I mean? You don't want to be over here? Don't come over here. Don't come over here. Right? I think I remember that now. So then they finally traded him over to, um, they finally traded him over to Miami. And so that little beef kept continuing. And then Steph jumped into the conversation. And Steph was like, oh, you can't talk about greatness. The guy's a, you know, two-time champion or however many they won, three or whatever. Um, And just breaking down his resume. And so Ja went back at Steph, like, I don't care nothing about you or or whatever the case may be. So that beef and that bickering started from that. And so from that moment, they've just they've just sort of had it out because he looked at it like it was disrespect. Like they Memphis even went to the playoffs that year, if, if I'm not mistaken, that first year. Yep. And it was disrespect. It was Eagle Dollar basically said, I'm not a babysitter, bro. Yeah. I'm not raising these children. Yeah. I'm a grown man. I put in so much time in the NBA. This is not the way my career is going to play out. I'm not doing this. And Ja, needing something to motivate him right out the gate, got that little little piece of fire that he could hold on to and propel himself and motivate himself every day so that, yes, they did make the playoffs. And he did end up getting rookie of the year. And his career has continued on that trajectory even to this very moment where I remember the conversation was, who do you take, John Morant or LaMelo Ball? And that's a real conversation. And even me, (laughs) even me, I was like, yo, I love Morant, and at this very moment, he is the better choice, but there's something about LaMelo Ball and the way that he can lead a team and inspire his teammates 
that makes me think that he will end up having the better career. And, and I said that I'm, I'm going to have my Chris Broussard moment <laughs> and, and you, you know, and admit that I'm wrong and, and say, I love LaMelo, but the, what Josh showing me about his character yeah, I couldn't. I can't bet against that guy right now. Nah, it's it's funny. So the 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 Twitter war went. John and and Iguodala um had a back and forth. Then Steph jumps in and posts um uh an Iguodala picture um holding up the the championship trophy, holding up the the number three, right? Mm-hmm. And then John Morant responds back to Steph. <laughs> With KD holding up the finals MVP. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> what an era we live in. But in that, what an era we live in. Imagine if in the 90s, man, we're trolling Jordan. You know what I mean? Like, imagine if John Starks could respond publicly to Jordan with his own Twitter. You know what I mean? Or yeah. his Instagram. Yeah, what would that? Have, what kind of beefs would that have created? They, it couldn't have allowed it. They would have had to regulate the heck out of it. It yeah. would have gone. You know what I mean? Because those guys are actually fighting each other. Like, yeah. like in the league at that time, there were there were guys that were in there that were real street guys. Like, I don't know if you remember Oakley walking into the the Air Canada Center at the time, Scotiabank Arena. And slapping one of the Clippers players over some money. No, let's, let's not. No names, though. No names. You don't remember no. that? I know. I know exactly <laughs> who you're talking about. Bro. No names, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> no. <laughs> when I heard about that, I'm like, is Oakley really that kind of guy? Because yeah. he looks like Oakley looks like. Actually, you know what, Oak? I'm not even going to say that. I'm just going to say I didn't think you were that kind of guy. You know what I mean? You look wholesome. You look like a man's grandfather. Like, you know, you look like... All right, I'm going to say it. You reminded me of the soul glow in in um coming to America. You, know? <laughs> you reminded me of those, you know, like, you know, especially because back then, man didn't really have goatees like that. So it's just the mustache and... So I'm like, how could this guy looks like a college professor in a way? Like he looks like a smart guy. He looks like he reminded me almost of Bill Cosby-ish, you know, like, you know, you, you could be a doctor or a lawyer or somebody. He just so happened to play basketball and he's considered an enforcer. But I didn't know he was like that serious until, until I heard that story of him. Yeah. But the league was full of guys like that. Some real, like, the league had a lot of guys that were just that serious. And and every team needed guys to protect their best players. So every team needed a tough guy back then. You got to think about that. So you could imagine a situation if you had Twitter back then, right? And you said something about, like, let's say you're playing the Pistons. And before you play the Pistons, you start saying some slick, you know what I mean? Start saying some slick yeah. stuff to, to Isaiah Thomas on Twitter, Right. Just you know what I mean? You're talking trash. You don't you tell me when that game starts, Lambert's gonna take your head off. Just cause. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just cause. And it's, 
and it's gonna be on like a cut or something. Like <laughs> he's, gonna, gonna, he's, gonna, he's gonna lay you out. He's gonna lay you out. <laughs> so it, I'm I'm not gonna like things happen in the in the right time. It can only happen in a time like this where they're kind of all friends. Nothing really is gonna happen. Anytime there seems to maybe be a fight in the NBA now, it's never gonna happen. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know. Yeah. So yeah. Like it, it's it's just not that serious, but like there's something about that. Like John Moran has an old school spirit, and he mm-hmm. he looks like a guy like just just know that I'm not backing down. I don't care about your name. Like yeah. I don't care about your name. You know, and he almost he almost has like a Fifty Cent vibe to him. Like I'm gonna get stronger. The yeah. more adversity and the more you know what I mean. The more that this little rivalry grows. I'm going to turn into a full-blown dragon by the time this is over. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he's the type of guy that you're like, you almost don't want him to have an extra bounce in his step for that for that game. You know what I mean? No. That's what I see when I look at him, where I'm like, I think even Curry them realized that because the last game they played against the Grizzlies, they barely won. And at the end of the game, they were talking to Curry and he stressed how important that game was to them mm. and how much they really wanted to win that game. You know, and I'm sure it's the talking, but also the Grizzlies had beaten them in their home floor multiple times. Yeah. So they were trying to make sure that it wasn't a thing where the Grizzlies felt like they had their number for real. Right. So it's not just talking. It's not just this thing where they're looking at these guys like, yeah, they got a little fight in them, but we're the big brother that squashes them. Memphis is right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right there. You know, and these guys are talking about is Morant the MVP even right now? And really? what is, yeah. And where does he rank amongst the top point guards in the NBA right now? Where would you rank him? Right now, I probably would say not barring, of course, he's having an amazing run right now. So if I'm stripping away the fact that he's just playing on fire, I will probably put him in the third spot. I think Curry and Paul. And and I'd be I would be open to him taking Paul's spot, but Paul has so much work that he's put in that I, I have to keep him there. I, I feel horrible not mentioning Damian Lillard. You know, I really am. Cause like but it's just he's just having one of those years where it's not for whatever reason this year it's it's just not looking well. You know what I mean? It was like Steph's not not the last year, but the one before. That's how Damian Lillard's looking right now. So it it just doesn't look good. So yeah, like normally I think Dame Lillard would probably be up there, but I think I, I get your I think I get your right behind um, Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. If I was just saying who would I take, obviously Morant, but just overall point guard right now, yeah. Yeah, I, I would yeah. I would say I would say that third spot right now. I think he's occupying it. I think he's above Trey Young. 
for sure. Uh, yeah, I think I think the the impact that he's having on his team, but also again, he delivers down the stretch, man. And that is what makes me take him and put him above Trey Young, even and above Luca, even. You know, I I, I think. Morant is more dangerous down the stretch. Even though Luca's a better shooter, I'm more concerned. And it's funny because I was watching the Warriors playing Dallas last night. Mm. And, you know, Dallas beat them and the Warriors were struggling. And in that moment, it reminded me of why I was always on the fence about who I would have taken out of Kyrie Irving and Curry. And it was the fact that no, no, none of the shots were falling. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, I'm like, this is where you need a guy who can force the issue and get to the rim or just create a yeah. certain type of chaos that makes it easier for everybody. You know, Curry is just such a great shooter that I had to just accept the fact that his shot is equivalent yeah. to what any great guard that has a crazy handle can do to get to the rim. But I naturally chose the guy and choose the guy that gets to the basket first and then the three or the deep range can support it. But I'm more of a, a I like guys that are aggressive. So I love Morant for that reason because down the stretch, Morant is going to the rim the way Michael Jordan went to the rim. Right. Every single possession. Right. And and I just to me that that type of aggression I, I I resonate with that. I like that. So when I see Morant down the stretch do what he does, switching hands, going from left to right, finishing with his left hand or one foot, it just doesn't matter. The guy puts the ball in the hole. You know what I mean? Right. And I, I, I love that about him. So yeah, he, he occupies the third spot. I, I would like to take him even over Chris Paul personally. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I mean, how dare I not mention Kyrie Irving either, really. But yeah. I don't know if we can count him. But if he's involved, then, he, you know, he's he's above he's above Paul and Morant for me. I still would put him number two probably and then, and then the others. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's – I was listening to – a little podcast series Kevin Durant had with Charles Barkley. Mm. And he was talking about um, this, just the different eras. And one of the things that came up was the three-point shooting. Because they were like, Chuck, if they had you playing in this area, you'd be shooting a lot of threes. And he said, that's the one thing I don't understand about you guys. You know, even when it doesn't work, you guys will continue to keep shooting threes. And... <laughs> Like he, like it could be that you could be an off game. You could be one for seventeen, and you still just keep doing it. Like you, well, wouldn't, you wouldn't switch it up. And it's well, yeah. Did you see? I just I had to just to speak on it. Did you see the highlight? It was uh, the Knicks were playing, and the man they were on a two on one break, and the guy passed. I think it was quickly. He passed quickly the ball quickly is in position to attack the rim for a layup and stopped, (laughs) turned around and ran backwards to the three point line and shot a three and missed. (laughs) (laughs) Did you see that? No, I didn't see it. 
but you have to look that <laughs> way. I've never seen nothing like that. <laughs> but that's analytics, right? You know, <laughs> and the idea would be like, you know, a, a three or a 40% from three is better than 50% from two, you know? It's one of those analytical stat numbers that they, they go off of, and that's why they'll justify shooting more threes, you know, because over the long run, blah, 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 right? So mm-hmm. the, the thing about Steph, and, and it's like a gift and a curse, he's the best shooter ever, right? But at the same time, you know that he's going to shoot. And, and and I think you're speaking about the differences between him and Kyrie or him and Ja. Because those guys will get into the lane and, and they'll punish you around the basket, you know? Kyrie will do, do it with a little bit of finesse, kiss the ball off the backboard. Ja will possibly dunk on you a couple of times and keep pushing that and keep driving you back into the paint, right? But Steph mm-hmm. has a tendency of constantly keep looking for that three, and he's had some off, really off nights where he keeps looking for it. And it, and it, when I think of that NBA Finals, that Game 7 versus Cleveland, right? I don't know if you remember the final possession of him coming down the court when they were down by four, right? And they had that switch, and I believe it was Kevin Love on him, right? Mm. <laughs> and so Steph is looking for an opportunity to get a shot off. And if you're thinking... And this is me. This is me. This is everybody in the building. This is the coaching staff of, of Cleveland looking at it. And I'm looking at Kevin Love on an island, right, with Steph Curry. And the only thing I'm saying is just stay in his space. You don't have to foul him. You don't have to do anything. Just stay in his space. Move your feet. Stay in his space. Because all he wants to do is shoot the ball. He's never going to look to just take you off his feet and attack the basket. You just got to stay in stay in that perimeter, right? And he mm-hmm. wasted so much time trying to dance that eventually they really couldn't even get the shot off to make even a contest of it, right? And so mm-hmm. he finds himself in these situations and so you, like you're saying like the way the game is, a lot of these guys games could be broken down into he's he's just going to try to shoot it. I think Trey has that issue. You know, but mm-hmm. I think Jaw being an attack guard and, you know, someone like Kyrie that can really put pressure on you, whether it's from the mid range, whether it's from the post, whether it's just taking you off the dribble and laying you up or just hitting the three. He's just showing how dynamic he is. And I think yeah. the way we understood the game from an old school perspective is. Is sometimes you set your game up. You know, you may take a couple early ones by getting to the rim, knowing that you're trying to set up your three-point shot. You know what I mean? So you put pressure towards the basket and force the defender to back up because now the defender wants to take that away. But while he's taking away something, he has to give up something. And the thing he starts giving up is that jumper. And I think that's what Ja and I think that's what Kyrie do so well. Steph is still great. But he falls in love, again, because he's been so successful with it. He falls in love so much with that three-pointer, he get complacent at times with it. Yeah, and I think it does rub off. So when they're struggling against Dallas now, I'm watching it, and I'm like, everybody's settling. You know, and not everybody is him. So now I'm seeing 
they're struggling. I see Kaminga run to the line and shoot a three. And I'm like, bro, come on. If you know, like you got to know yourself and you also have to be aware of the fact that the situation is not ideal for you to shoot another long shot. Again, I think that's why the argument for so long, like, and for a lot of the people that are listening, especially the young ones, you guys don't know basketball prior to this era with Golden State being on the top of the mountain and this idea that shooting teams are the ones that are coming out and winning championships. Because for the almost entire history of the NBA, the sentiment was that jump shooting teams don't win championships. And more than anything, defense was what won championships. So we're in this, like, I don't know, alternate universe right now where three-point shooting is coveted to such a degree because people are convinced that shooting the three is going to win you a championship. It's an analytics yet, game. Yeah, yet though, if we actually look at the situation, it hasn't. Golden State maybe, but other than them, and even... With them, there's you know you mentioned what Iman Shumpert said about Kyrie getting injured that first series, mm-hmm. that first year, and if he doesn't and they win, what does that say for the future of the NBA and of basketball when it comes to the way teams are constructing their rosters? Right, and I think that people don't remember that because the entertainment value of run and gun is just more interesting. So, yeah, you can find information that would support it. But I think what you are going to notice, and I think teams like Cleveland having success, et cetera, is going to show is that there's still tried and true things when it comes to high percentages, but also, again, things like offensive rebounding and other things that are influenced when you have a team that plays closer to the rim versus a team that shoots long shots and there's long rebounds. So I think, you know, I'm just eager to see the balance of this, of it all because Golden State is not a lock. They don't have the greatest scorers and shooters all on the same team like they did before. They have some great ones, but you mix KD with those shooters, it's a different team. So I'm curious to see what the next three to five years looks like in the NBA when it comes to who's winning championships because, again, the Bucks weren't the Warriors and they won. The Lakers won and they weren't the Warriors either. So it's not this cut and dry foregone conclusion that if you got the greatest shooters on the floor, you're going to win a championship. You know what's funny? Uh, Barkley had a great um, he, had, he had a great series of quotes when he talked about analytics and what he was saying was analytics for him was created by, you know, league team owners to give their son-in-laws or, or, or people they know a job, right? You know, here, here's something to do, analytics. So KD was saying, he's like, I use analytics, you know. They'll, you know, show me that, oh, your corner threes are down and et cetera, et cetera. And so Barkley said, you know, with all the analytics, with all these smart guys crunching numbers, seeing which player goes well on what team and the efficiency and all of that stuff. You know what they, they, they don't seem to get? 
is that if you look at even the last, just the last 10 championship teams, none of these teams have won without really great players. You know what I mean? <laughs> Strip everything down. You'd never seen a team that was constructed by analytics do anything. You know what I mean? In the NBA mm-hmm. finals, playoffs, or anything like that. So analytics only results for so much because of a very big proponent of analytics was the Houston Rockets with James Harden, right? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of times, when you've seen it come down to the end, it was like, analytics is not what's going to save you here. James yeah. has to save you. And if, James, and if James doesn't come to the forefront right now and step up, that's it for you. I don't, I don't care what the numbers say. This is on him. And that's yeah. just what it came down to. When they when they met the Warriors, I think they met the Warriors twice in the in the conference finals. I think one year maybe in the semis and the other year in the conference finals. And it was like, it's it's going to be a battle. You know what I mean? But yeah. it's going to come down to that two, their two best players. And so that's ultimately what it comes down to. But, yeah, analytics only goes so far. I agree. I agree. And that's why it's not more fun to watch a video game than to watch it in real life. Yeah. Because there's something about moments in time and people's ability to rise to those moments and for some to shrink. Yeah. And for us to see the separation of the two. Yeah. You know, it's very easy for Scottie Pippen to say he was as good as Michael Jordan now. Jeez. But he wasn't wrestling and fighting. You know, I never seen him do what Carlton did to Will Smith when he wanted to take that ball from Will to shoot <laughs> the last shot. And, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Pippen ain't do that with Jordan. Pippen didn't have that level of belief in himself to say, I'm going to fight this guy for this ball because I believe that I'm the guy that should be shooting it. You, you know what? I kind of want to, I kind of want to end on, on like, you know what I mean? Make this the last segment, but let's talk about that. Scotty Pippen situation with mm-hmm. Michael Jordan and everybody. Else. What do you, what are your thoughts on, on, and on what Scotty's sort of saying? At this moment in time. Well, I mean, if you just heard what I said, I definitely don't agree that he is as good or I don't even believe that he believes he's as great as Michael Jordan, to be very honest. I think Scottie Pippen understands the era. I think he understands clickbait. And I think Scottie Pippen wants to try to rewrite history or at least to put a little bit more of his words into the narrative because the last dance is such a powerful documentary, you know, but I don't like it because I really like Scottie Pippen. I really like what they've done together. And from my own personal bias and point of view, Michael Jordan made Scottie Pippen. You know what I mean? Michael Jordan put the spine into Scottie Pippen. Michael Jordan showed Scottie Pippen that he would fight with him and for him, which enabled Scottie Pippen to blossom into the talented player that he had the potential to be. But if you don't put that type of manhood behind Scottie Pippen, 
and show him that he has the strength to stand up for himself and to fight back. Scottie Pippen, his career, I'm trying to think of whose career I can think of that mirrors Scottie Pippen. But at the best case scenario, Scottie Pippen ends up being or having the career that Paul George has had thus far. Mm. You know, you like... Or Carmelo Anthony's career, maybe. Maybe, maybe. It's it's funny for him because he... I've never heard him really say anything bad about Mike prior to this documentary coming out, The Last Dance, right? And mm-hmm. I watched The Last Dance. I, shit, I've watched it. I, probably, I think I've watched it like twice or three times already. And when I watched it, my initial thoughts wasn't, oh, it painted Scottie Pippen in a bad light. It was like, oh, no, this is exactly what I remember. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. It, it wasn't, I don't think it was like an attack on any of them. And the thing that he was pushing, he was basically saying he felt like the documentary only told a story and sort of glorified only one player and not glorified them as a team. Right. And and really the most the the most important part of that story and it's kind of like what we talked about with the WNBA and it's like the 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 fanfare the stardom the you know what I mean that thing that's going to get me to turn on my TV and watch that's what Michael Jordan did for the game of basketball you know what I mean he he was this larger than life figure that turned the game of basketball into this global phenomenon everybody wanted to turn on their TV and watch him but He's not a guy who gets in front of the cameras either. So he's just sort of this mythical individual and everybody wants a glimpse into his life, right? So the reason mm-hmm. why people tuned into this because there, there's not that much on Michael Jordan. So people want to see it, right? It just happens to be, yeah, it's, it's about the Bulls in their last run. But let's not get it twisted. If this documentary didn't have Michael Jordan in it, <laughs> you watching it? Of course not. And I wouldn't even understand why you bring it back up. But Yeah. <laughs> Without Michael Jordan in it, there's no reason for you to even bring the whole thing back up in the first place. Right. So Michael Jordan obviously is the catalyst that's being used to drive the entire thing. Right. And so Scotty is like, they didn't portray, he doesn't feel like he was portrayed in that light. That, that Michael was portrayed in. It's like, because you're not Michael. You're, you're Scottie Pippen. And nobody's saying that you weren't great. But you're not Michael Jordan either. So I, I just, I, I find the whole thing a little crazy, man. Like, one of his quotes here was, um, Michael Jordan is selfish, Pippen said. I mean, he was a great scorer. But a lot of things that he did was based on him as an individual. And I think that uh, I think basketball is a team game. That's why he believes that LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan. And again, you know, everyone is allowed to have an opinion. It's not that you're just completely wrong for saying anything like that. It's more so you're you're almost putting yourself in a position where people are going to hear your statements now and think it's out of some deep-rooted 
emotional issue that you have with Jordan over the fact that you didn't get the same amount of recognition as him. And that's the unfortunate part now is that by coming out and making the statements you made, you're almost going to be a hard person to listen to when it comes to the commentary of the game. You know, like usually reporters and, and journalists are supposed to take a position that doesn't seem overly biased. You know, it's kind of funny when I hear Isaiah Thomas even trying to speak about Michael Jordan. And I'm like, that's such a hard position to be in because there's a guy you battled against. There's a guy that you, you had real war with. So now, you know, it's funny. It almost sounds like when people talk about Jay-Z at times, you know, that month that once had conflict with him. It's like, you know, you're waving the white flag in a way because his presence is just too great. And I think in Jordan's case, he just, he, he, he created a shadow that even Scottie Pippen couldn't handle, you know, and he just wanted to rewrite the story, but I don't think he understands that people, like, we saw it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, people, we watched this thing. Like, it's on tape. This, these things are factual, you know, so. Yeah, you didn't sub in back. Like, you didn't sub into the game. Jordan wasn't there. Like, you did that. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Like, yeah, was especially like, when compared to situations like what happened when Jordan was a rookie, where they're trying to stop him from playing, right. and he just wanted it so bad that he forced it anyway. You know what right. I mean? Like, and then went on to do what he did against Boston in the playoffs. Right. Yeah. Like you don't you don't become legendary doing the expected. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I think he was probably thinking them showing that that moment in time, which for him is probably it's one of the worst moments <laughs> I, I could probably say of his career. You know what I mean? Just just on optics, right? That that thing is what he feels probably like. Well, you shouldn't have shown that, but it's like it's just a part of the story, man. You know what I mean? Like by you talking about it, you're the one amplifying it. You're almost making it worse. You know, because it's like, yeah, it happened, but you know, what I mean, it was wasn't the best decision. Well, and you're and you're kind of showing it again. Yeah. Because you're allowing your emotion to now make you make a decision that's gonna make you look away to everybody else. Yeah. You know. And isn't that what that was when you didn't want to go back in the game? Right. And yeah, like you you were mad about um the contract. I get it, but yeah, it wasn't a, a smart contract, but you felt obligated that you you wanted the 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 long-term guarantee for your family's sake, you know, based on where they came from. Maybe you weren't as savvy or or or, or that savvy business-wise. Okay, we get it. You know what I mean? Like I get all of that. But it is what it is. Like it's not the worst thing in the world. So I, I think he, I think he stepped way out of line. I think the Phil Jackson comments that Phil's a racist. I think he's just gone down a rabbit hole. <laughs> I hope he comes out of it, man. You know, like Scotty's still one of the greatest. He's still one of the best. Nobody, nobody thinks any less of Scotty Pippen. 
It's just you're shining a spotlight on the negative moments when before all I thought about with Scottie Pippen before were all of the positive moments shared with Michael Jordan. You know what I mean? That's what I thought about before. And even watching the documentary, if he didn't really bring it up, I kind of brushed off the the whole him not subbing back into the game and Kukoc hitting the game winner, you know? Yeah. But the fact that he yeah. keeps harping on it, it just keeps coming back. So if I had any advice to Scotty, it's like, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. And you're going to actually end up making yourself look like what you're trying to say about Jordan, which is selfish. And that's unfortunate because you guys were a unit and you guys did something that was legendary. You're a 50 greatest player. You're all of those things. So for you to want to have more than that, it doesn't seem like it's necessary. Like you got so much. So just let it be and then continue to be known as one of the greatest with one of the greatest teams and leave it at that but otherwise i don't know man i'm i'm your son and i'm trying to make a name for myself and you're saying all these things you're hurting me you know what i mean now i'm having to deal with the stuff that you're saying and i think you just got to think about everybody else man and i think if he had done that a few times maybe you know things go differently and the narrative is different yeah so, yeah, man. I think, I think we touched on. I think we touched on all we could touch on today, man. To be honest, um, yeah, it was a good one. Yeah. I enjoyed. It. I really did. Me too, man. Um, yeah, this one's a wrap. Thank everybody. Episode four, Ballers Edition podcast, and thank you guys. Till the next time. Till the next time. Peace. Peace.